was Lightyear to the podcast. Nice. That was kind of cute. I'll be right. on it. Nice, clean, uh, not sweaty. Right. It was direct. I got it. And I think it was effective. Uh, one of these had to be simple. Right. It's just... Welcome back to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And in our Lightyear episode, we teased that we wanted to do one more episode on this and then never speak of it again. Right. Yeah, don't um, ask us about this ever again. Yes, we um, we talked we talked a big game, you know? We talked a little bit of a big game saying that if we were given the reins to make this movie, maybe we could do it better. Right, exactly. And I, I think a lot of different people could do it better, I'll be honest. This wasn't that great of a film. Uh, but we have been meditating on it and sitting with it for a while now. We actually previously recorded this episode, but there was a little technological mishap. So we are going through the trouble to do it again, which is like, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud and thinking about it, we're really putting a lot of time and effort into right. talking about a film that both of us agree we never want to see again. Which, yeah, I did think about that. I did when we were going through our September schedule, I was like, you know, we could just not, not do what we promised. People do that all the time. Right, exactly. We could just save this, because this is a part of a greater series we want to do, and right. this doesn't necessarily have to be the first episode, but we're, we've decided it will be. Right, and honestly, um, I'm ready to just get it out of my brain, like, right. on, on to, like, to be recorded somewhere so that I can think about other things. I'm, I'm ready to get this out of my brain. Right, right. Um, so this is a series, we're still working on the title, but it's tentatively called Armchair Script Doctor. Yes. And the premise is we're either going to take existing films or films that could be made and sort of rewrite them in our own image. You know, obviously... There's a little bit of arrogance that comes with that, but we both work right. in the entertainment field. We've both written projects. We've both directed projects. Right. I like to think we at least have some qualifications to really sit down and try and crack these acorns. I would agree. And it's also just fun to criticize films from the safety yeah. of your home. So that's right. what we do. And this is more productive than just being like, we're just going to poop on a film. Right. We like, already pooped in the film, so now we're going to make our own. <laughs> not poop whatever right. the reverse of poop is yeah i yeah whatever that is yeah, yeah we don't need to think about it further than that okay um, yes but we're both gonna lay out theoretical pitches of what we would do with the movie buzz Lightyear, and i'm excited because i feel like we took kind of different approaches to this we did yeah yeah we yeah you and i came up with i feel you know it's interesting it's like because we we have privately discussed this before, but it's like you and I took almost like similar journeys to arrive in two different destinations. Like I feel like you like you and I have two different destinations that we want to take this character. Right. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. I think we both started from a different thesis statement on how to approach it and ended up in interesting places. Um, like, in terms of the exercise. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, although, like, the one through line that, that we sort of have in common is to kind of stick to, like, the Star Wars skeleton in a lot of ways. Yes. And sort of ham up on, on that uh, end of things, all of the things that make Star Wars kind of corny, but mm -hmm. really, like, yeah. dig into them even further. Like, why, why not? Why not lean into that? I don't know why they didn't, especially when... 
especially when we know about the character that he's supposed to be right like a spoof of star wars yeah like his entire like the first movie he goes on a whole thing about how he has plans for zerg's secret weapon like and maybe some of it and some yeah it's just a parody but if this is text we're given why not try and use some of it right exactly um yeah I think the one big difference you and me had is I really tried to force myself, like, I gave myself the handicap that I really had to try and work as much of the original film in as possible. Um, because for some reason, this is the film they decided to make. And if I was just one writer in the room, I was like, well, I can't throw out everyone else's work, but I can at least try and push it in a better direction. Yeah. See, I I did do the opposite of that, where I, I approached this with the assumption that this would... Like, I'm the first person to have seen the concept. And, right. And is like, here's the Buzz Lightyear character from Toy Story. Make a movie for it. Right. With, um, like, with... The, the only caveat that I would have given myself is, is this angle of, like, oh, this is the film that Andy saw. Mm. That's the only, th- like, thing that I would have maintained um right. as a as a challenge to ma- writing the story of because because i'll be honest i think that's a brilliant idea like because that's where toys come from movies so right. i think that's perfect and great and i just don't think they did it right yeah i think honestly i don't hate the whole like oh andy got a toy from this movie angle it's just they couldn't describe it well and then the movie itself didn't make sense in that context. No, they they never were able to describe it well. Like, yeah. still, to this if, day. <laughs> and then the they delivered sense, it the opposite of it. If the movie made sense in the context of, this is a movie a kid saw in the 90s that made him want this action figure, people wouldn't be this angry about the movie. No. Like, even if it was still not that good a movie, if it made sense on that simple premise, right? people would be like, well, all right. You set a goal, you accomplished it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I would agree. So I think we're both just going to go through our pitches with a couple notes. Um, Sydney, I cede the floor to you. Thank you. Okay, so this is the film that Andy saw that made him want a Buzz Lightyear toy. Um, Basically, I'm taking, I think, a lot of notes from The Force Awakens, really, because I've always enjoyed the angle of Finn being this stormtrooper, um, a, a part of, like, an army that somehow has not been brainwashed fully um, and, like, goes rogue, except I like, I always like a character just like Captain Marvel, on the other spectrum, on the other excuse me, other end of the spectrum, who believes that they are on the hero team, and when in fact they're actually a part of the villain the entire time, and like comes to Jesus and changes their mind about things. Um, you know, there there are some things about this film that I feel like I would maintain. Um, I always I'm intrigued by that one character in this film like when oh that moves into his partner's like old apartment I guess right I don't know why they like they do so little with that character but I feel like he could be a pretty important antagonist I I feel like yes. I wish they had used him more as like yeah, his authority the new figure yeah the who new tells Buzz that they're just going to stay on the plane yeah get with on. the program like 
we're we're here we live here now this is our thing and like get in line cadet or like we're gonna like punish you Mm. but um i i wish they had leaned into that further i think big you know my biggest gripe with this film was how lightly it dances on the the topic of friendship and and teammates and teamwork Mm. i would lean a lot further into that and and I guess what I'm trying to say is I would make Buzz Lightyear a likable character who has like feelings and is not a narcissist, but right. <laughs> like like they did. Um, so I would eliminate um, time travel. Fuck that. We're not time traveling because we never needed to do that for this to make sense. Like mm. the whole the whole time jumping thing makes sense and that's fine. But like for I, I think the biggest thing I'm talking about here is like. I'm switching out that that Zerg is himself from another timeline, and I'm just making it a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader thing. It's his own dad who is like the leader of everything. Who is the Darth Vader? They think they're on the winning team. Buzz Lightyear, you know, maybe he's kind of a screw up in the beginning. He's not perfect. He he messes certain things up, but he's like the son of the leader, so he kind of has like frat boy privilege (laughs) like so to speak and he kind of gets by on that but he still has this drive to prove himself to be like a successful ranger and um until he realizes that they're like killing the planet like okay let's introduce this like global warming type angle here or this Mm -hmm. climate change angle where like not only can they not, or maybe they they don't want to get, they don't want to go home. Maybe this is this new planet is fine. They're searching for new homes. They're searching for many new homes to to like make an empire out of. This is like a manifest destiny type situation. I think that'll be like the crux of of what Star Command is supposed to be. This manifest destiny effort of like controlling all these planets, absorbing them of all their resources, leaving them dead. Mm-hmm. And um, Buzz tries to, like, buck against that and defeat, probably killing, his own father. Um, That way you could make use of to infinity and beyond, which already sounds like a manifesto. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the crux of what I would do. Like, it's a bunch of loose ideas, but I would tie all of that into a film about Buzz Lightyear. I feel like those are the most important things I would do with the Buzz Lightyear character. Yeah, I really like, and our ideas have a lot of similar pieces, they just end up in different places. Yeah. I think you really hit the nail on the head as we were talking about the film originally. One, the very stormtroopery element. Like, you've talked about this before, you like that element, and I think you, I think you pointed out, like, there is a weird manifest destiny thing to all, like, sort of for lack of a better word, white sci-fi. Yeah, Um, there's colonization. Yeah, like, you know, it's something, like, at its best, Star Trek kind of grapples with it a little bit, you know, meditates on it and has all these rules and systems in its universe to really, like, confront it. But it's still there. Um, I, I, we both agree. Zerg, just make him Buzz's father. Right. Yes, (laughs) it is a parody of Star Wars, but it's like, Star Wars does not own parental twists. No. Like, they're not the only ones who are allowed to do that. I think it's, like, when it was revealed that it's himself, I was like, 
Are you kidding me? Like, I thought that was... That was one of your biggest protests. Yeah. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I can't think of another film that does that. Can you? I mean, I mean, Looper, but that is a time travel, like, explicitly a time travel movie. I mean, I guess, like, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. But, like, they're not... They don't interact with themselves no. from the past, except the Steve Rogers fight. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, like, I agree. I would also want to cut out sci-fi, or time travel, not sci-fi. It's a sci-fi movie. Right. Uh, I would also want to cut out time travel, but at the same time, I'm just like, no, force yourself. To, uh, like, I really force myself to confront this. Like, is there any way you can make it work with the time travel? Even if it's just a smaller element. Mm. Which kind of leads into my pitch. I technically have two pitches, but one of them's literally, like, two sentences. The one I actually fleshed out is kind of similar to yours. I think we both like this Stormtrooper idea. We like the idea that he starts on the losing team and switches over. That's always a fun story. That's always, like, it always makes a good hero. It's very popular. Honestly, I, I probably reference She-Ra more than Captain Marvel, but that's because I really got into that. Um, right. N.D. Stevenson's um, She-Ra run. Um yeah, so my premise starts the same. It is, Buzz Lightyear is the son of Zerg. Uh, you know, at the time, maybe he's High Chancellor Zerg, or, like, he has, like, a more appropriate title. Or maybe he is just Emperor. Supreme uh, Leader. And, yes, and they are a part of the Zerg army. Buzz is the commander of the army, and he's very bad at it. The idea is he's kind of, because I do like Buzz being a bit bumbling, He's mm-hmm. not necessarily a... Basically, I want to take the premise of failure, like the theme of failure and friendship and make it Buzz is special because maybe he's not a commander. Maybe he's not a boss, but he is a leader. When he's in the mud yes. with everyone, he can jerry-rig a solution. He can find that angle that no one's seeing and get the rest of the team to figure it out with him. Like, it's that meme of, like, the boss versus a leader sort of thing. Yes. Yes. But yes, he's kind of like, he's kind of looked down on because he's the nepotism baby. It's like, oh, of course the emperor's son gets to command the armies. Right. Um, in my version, the Zerg army and the Star Command are two different entities. Basically, Zerg's whole angle is like, Star Command has this incredible technology. They have light speed travel and they're not sharing it. Like, mankind, we're running out of resources on Earth. We need to expand. We need to get the resources. We need to keep mankind alive. We have, you know, Earth is running out of minerals. We need, like, we are just doing what we were built to do. We have this technology, like, really lean into the Manifest Destiny stuff you talked about, where, you know, they justified in this quasi-religious, like, well, if we weren't supposed to do this, why are we able to create the technology to do it? Yeah. So they come down to this planet. Basically, they're trying to experiment with their own lightspeed travel and buzz in a fit to prove himself tests one of the ships um they're you know they're testing it on this tranquil beautiful planet it works but it shoots him into the future so it's like five years later the planet is ruined Uh, it's all an industrial wasteland it's all machines and gears most of the animals are gone the entire color palette's changed to the movie the actual movie is kind of like sad drab rusty yeah he gets down there, and he's jumped by members of Star Command. He meets basically the same characters. They're, like, junior cadets, and they explain, basically, they've been in, you know, they tried to stop the Zerg army from taking over this planet, and they've been failing. And that is where sort of the, dude, you work for the evil horde part comes in, where they just explain, like, look, your dad used to be a member of Star Command. 
and you know, Star Command isn't an imperial force. We are an exploration. We're scientists. We're medics. We just check out planets, make notes, and come back. Your dad was the one trying to push us to be invaders and conquerors, and he got basically exiled for that, and that's when he formed his army. So, like, yeah, we don't have an army. We're, like, we have a peacekeeping emergency security force. Mm. Like, our army's, like, maybe a hundred people soaking wet, and we're the B, the Best of B-teams. I like the idea of Zerg being exiled from the rest of Star Command, and, like, that, like, I like separate, like, separating Star Command from Zerg and his army at some point, and having Star Command, like, not necessarily stay, like, the bad guys in your, in your version. Yeah, like, I like the idea that this philosophical debate is what creates Zerg. Eventually, uh, Zerg finds his son, and he's like, I knew you'd come back eventually. You did, like, you didn't just discover lightspeed travel, you discovered time travel. And he's like, do you know how much this changes? Like, if I come with everything I know, and all this technology, and bring it back, like, we can just sort of strong-arm Star Command into giving us whatever we want. Like, we don't even need to destroy them, we just, you know show up with our guns and take it which again right. is manifest destiny it's us showing up in japan with a metal warship and being like so uh you're training thing. with us now yeah uh we set the terms uh so then buzz really realizes like oh this there's a you know he's seeing what this philosophy brings he's seeing all these starfleet ships destroyed he's seeing a planet ruined and he goes rogue and basically then we reach the premise of we gotta blow up the Emperor's ship. So him and his scrappy team of rejects are basically going through similar beats where it's like, oh, there's a mishap here, there's a mishap there. But the difference is Buzz is, like, learning how to lead them. And he realizes, like, maybe I am a leader, just not in the way my dad is. Right, you know? exactly. We see Buzz's dad is just this booming, commanding, like, angry presence who rules through intimidation and, like, coercion, whereas Buzz leads through example. They see him figuring it out, and they figure it out. And all of it builds up to the final confrontation between Buzz and Zerg, where Zerg, you know, and basically you can have that final battle where it's in space, Zerg is on a jetpack, and Buzz basically has to blow up his dad in space. Like, I don't think you have to change too many of the beats, other than it's mostly just the first act that gets changed, and then you just change the action beats based on where that first act took you. Um, and basically the end of the movie is Buzz Lightyear, you know, now the crown prince of the Zerg army, or the crown king of the Zerg army, because Zerg is presumably dead, he surrenders to Star Command, and, you know, his team stands up for him, and finally, they're like, you know, Star Command is like, alright, you know what, Buzz, we're gonna let you be a part of Star Command again, and, you know, this has opened our eyes to, there are going to be threats that are threatening planets, and we need to go out there and explore, and be ready to protect those planets that can't protect themselves. So you and your team, basically, that's when he gets the suit, that's when he gets everything, and then it basically sets us on the kind of status quo you would have in, like, a Buzz Lightyear TV show, where, you know, Andy would really get into the character, where they're right. going planet to planet, protecting, you know, the innocent from, like, invading forces. And then that's where we get the after credits twist. Oh, Zerg's still alive. Right. And he comes back for the TV show. Or you don't include that as an after credit scene, because after credit scenes weren't really a thing before Marvel. No, very much not. At least not as, like, sequel teasers. Right, exactly. Like, if you got it, it would be, like, a joke, like Ferris Bueller, where he's like, why are you still here? You can go now. Right. And then, I guess the only other note I would have on that pitch is, I like the idea that both Star Command and the Zerg army use the phrase to infinity and beyond, 
originally I thought it would just be Zerg and it would be this, like, you know, it'd be the Manifest Destiny thing again. But then I was like, I don't know how I feel about making, like, this iconic catchphrase from a kid's character, like, a fascist salute. That's true, yeah. It, it goes back to when Captain America was briefly a Hydra agent. People are like, this doesn't feel right. Right. So I kind of was like, oh, maybe that was originally Star Command's, like, slogan and Zerg corrupted it. Like, they meant Infinity and Beyond, like, oh, mankind has the potential to learn, you know, discover endless wonders, whereas Zerg said, you know, we will make an empire that reaches to infinity. Right. Um, yeah, so that's basically my pitch. And then the other pitch is just, just fucking do the cartoon again. Yeah, like, for real. I'm, I'm sorry that John Lasseter, the creator of the unimpeccable masterpiece Luck, didn't like that show. But literally, just take that pilot episode where it's like, Buzz and his friend are on a planet, they're doing planet stuff, exploring. His friend seemingly dies, and Buzz is, like, hardened. He's like, I don't want any more teammates. I work alone. And then it's him learning to work with people again. And then, instead of having Zerg and his seemingly dead friend team up to be villains, just have it where his friend is Zerg. Like, he gets sucked into a wormhole or something, discovers his technology, and that's the whole thing. See, I well, I like your first pitch, like throughout that I was like no this is a toy I would buy this is like the kind of hero that like would make me want to buy his toy and like I will confess it, like a lot of it is like every now and then when I was sitting down and trying to read like think through this I'm like shoot this really is She-Ra because She-Ra as detected yeah. in the most recent show is kind of a disaster who's like boosted by the fact that you know she has a magic sword that makes her jacked so it doesn't really matter that she's kind of clumsy yeah or awkward <laughs> right yeah um but, yeah, I, like, and I am glad. It is so funny. We spent so much time pulling our hairs out about this is the movie that Andy saw that made him want to get the toy. But then when we both sat down, we're like, no, it would be fun to make a movie that makes you want to get the toy. Right, exactly. I like that premise a lot. I like that idea a lot. That's where, like, pretty much all toys come from, essentially. Right. Yeah. And... Like, I mean, yeah, it's exactly. from a it's from a movie called Toy Story, so right. like we gotta it's talk fun about to think that. Think of the Toy Story. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, you know what I just thought about? What? We're gonna have to do one of these for Woody, aren't we? Um, but I... I feel like they're scared away from doing that now, right? Like they're not gonna do that. You would think that they like you'd think that that they'd learn their lesson, but you know, I wouldn't put it past them. And this is where I would get real testy because I'm like, look, don't mess up Woody. But you know what? Like, you know what my assumption about Woody always was? It's like, I feel like everybody has a toy from childhood that doesn't really have an origin story. You just always mm -hmm. had this toy. That's always what I assumed was Woody's deal. Was like, right. that he's just like one of those like childhood toys that you're probably gifted at birth. That yeah. like, you've just always like been around and it's like your security toy. Yeah. Like, Andy didn't watch Woody's Roundup. He just liked no. having a cowboy toy. Yeah. I would say, like, I, I would feel better about Woody because they have so much established already that you would have to, like, they would just do, like, a fun, serialized, goofy cowpoke show because that are, those are the rules you set in your best movie. I would be game for that. I would be game for, like, a, like a cowboy show that's just, like, like, the Groot shorts. Like, if you give me a bunch of Woody shorts... I would be so into that. I would be extremely into that. Yeah. And I like, thought Prospector Pete was a good character. I just, his whole little world is fun. Um, yeah. It's actually funny you mentioned the story of toys. You know what my go-to toy as a kid was? 
What? Uh, so, I, at BJ's, the um, wholesale store, they had um, a display out for Snuggle brand detergent, and they were giving out plushes. I have a Snuggle bear. Really? Like the bear, who's the mascot. Yes, he's my leg plush. I still have him. He hangs out um, next to my books and my playbills collection in my room. Wow. Uh, his face was tragically mutilated um, in, by Cash at an early age. Oh, gosh. But, I have always meant, what am I, like, I'll know I've made it financially when I can just take him to, like, a fabric person and be like, can you kind of, like, make him a new face? Because right yeah. now it's just a mess of stitches. Can you get, like, material and buttons and just make him, like, basically make him a hybrid toy? Give him a facelift? Yeah. Yeah. Basically that scene, well, Woody wasn't that, he just lost his arm. Wow. But. Yeah, that's true. My security toy growing up was this doll named kiki i still have kiki have you ever seen kiki i'm pretty sure i've seen kiki yeah she's been around she's like part pl- like her head is plastic but like her body's plush oh yeah one of those she's and she's got like wild hair because that's a well-loved doll has insane hair she needs a hot oil treatment or like a deep conditioner she needs something um her face is very dirty it's it's a mess but like she's Sim, you know, similar to Buzz Lightyear. She's actually from a TV show. Um, I don't know oh. if you ever heard of the show Puzzle Place. It was I've a, heard that name before. It was a PBS show. It was very short-lived, but it, it was like a Jim Henson... Like, I'm pretty sure Jim Henson was behind... Was used for this. But it was like a, a Jim Henson, like, Muppet-style show um, on PBS Kids. Um, called The Puzzle Place, and the concept was about, like, this was one of those, like, you know, post 9-11, like, children's programming got real specific about, like, messaging and and Mm. things like that, about, like, tolerance and stuff like that, and um, this was one of those, one of those efforts by PBS, Puzzle Place, was about, like, these kids from different, like, cultural backgrounds that were like all friends with each other in each episode like you learned something about each of their backgrounds one of them was a girl named kiki she was from texas her family was mexican and she taught like spanish sometimes and but it was very cute but anyway i i guess i think my mom ordered her from somewhere or like i used to have like the tapes of puzzle place and other puzzle place toys but she has stood the test of time but, like, that's that's the kind of show that makes you want to buy a toy. I <laughs> Like, so take note, Buzz Lightyear. I very much was one of those kids who was like, oh, my toys definitely come to life. It's so obvious. Yeah, right, yeah. Duh, duh. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I would have I subscribed to the same thing. I was, like, I was very doll-heavy, like, as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what was the... Did you have, like, builder toys? Like, did you do, like, a lot of Legos well, and I stuff? I had a crazy amount of plushes. Like, Snuggle was oh. the only one that my family kept. But I had Tigger. I had Pikachu. I had, like, a whole little bed corner dedicated to them. And then it was I actually Legos. had a Buzz and Woody at one point. I definitely did, too. I at least had Buzz. I don't think I had Woody, believe it or not. Um, well, we had a Disney store right there, so it was easier to get those things. Well, we also had all of the Jungle Book guys. Too. Really? One. Yeah. Those ended up becoming Ricky toys, unfortunately. Um, but Legos were my big thing because that was like the original multiverse. Because I'm like, oh, it's 
most of the adventures would be centered around Spider-Man interacting with different universes. Wow. So it would be like, oh, he hangs out with Harry Potter a lot. Because <laughs> those were like, because like, and like Star Wars characters, because those were like, when I grew growing up, those were the huge franchises were... they were really pushing pavement for. It was yeah, like half their, half their like seasonal sets would be Harry Potter things. Um, which is still kind of true, but they're just quieter about it now. And there's right. more Star Wars stuff. Because now, I actually, oh God. I had to go to Kohl's yesterday, and I was like, man, they have, literally, they have stuff from the Obi-Wan show now? I didn't even think about, like, the Disney Plus thing making it so much bigger. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I was, I definitely was about dolls growing up, and, like, I do do remember having, like, one of those kitchen sets in my bedroom. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, I think my childhood toy habits like indicated a lot of what I would go on to do now that I'm like a filmmaker and director like I said I used to like watch shows with my parents and like or with my mom my my mom growing up like she used to watch Young and the Restless I used to like recreate those scenes from like the soap operas with with dolls I used to like direct little films with them oh that's really fun yeah (laughs) oh god I like that this turned into a little toy talk. I'm glad that it did, you know, because that's kind of the point of, right. of this franchise. Yeah, it's kind of the point of this, like, exercise. It's taking yes. these things we like and remixing them and playing with them. Right, exactly. And until the time we catch our toys moving around in junk, I'm Carter. <laughs> and I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show's notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.